Stay clear of Form 990 pitfalls, mistakes, and penalties. Also, top tips of what to include and where. Pursuing God-honoring responsible stewardship in governance, financial accountability, and fundraising. Welcome to the Excellence in Ministry podcast from ECFA. This is Vana Lau, Executive Vice President of ECFA, and I'm pleased to have Dave Moja joining me today. Dave is the Tax Professional Practice Leader and a partner at Cape and Kraus, a national CPA firm serving churches and ministries. Dave has worked in both public accounting and inside ministries for nearly 30 years. I can tell you that you are unlikely to find someone as passionate and excited about tax as Dave. I asked him to join us today to discuss the Form 990, and I think you'll find this 20 minutes or so will fly by. Dave, thanks for taking part in this podcast. Vana, thank you so much for having me. We, uh, we appreciate the opportunity, and as you said, we uh, really enjoy working with uh, organizations on Form 990 and look forward to this time. Well, let's jump right in. I'm wondering if you would share with us just some common errors that you see on Form 990s when you look at them. No, Vana, that's good. And and probably the, the overall overarching thing are kind of not following the protocols in the instructions. The Form 990 form itself is not super intuitive. And so reading the questions without spending some time in the instructions can always get us in trouble. Uh, I would say overall what we see, uh, you know, overarching errors are things like just not including the correct schedules because you didn't understand uh, the questions in part four. Almost all organizations are going to have to include schedule A and schedule O, all 501c3s. Many, many, many are going to need to include Schedule B, which is your list of donors. So you want to make sure that you're at least having those uh, involved as you go through. Um, Going a little bit deeper, as we look around and talk to people, the hardest parts of the return tend to be the uh, compensation section, uh, the board, officers, directors, trustees, and key employees in Part 7. And that may require supplemental information in Schedule J. So making sure that you understand who needs to be reported and make sure you get everybody in there, that you get the compensation amounts correct. And then something that we see a lot, and this is a caution, don't over-report. We continually see folks over-reporting, especially their who they think should be defined as their officers. So a, a big uh, asterisk there for the compensation pieces. The next one is part four that we mentioned earlier, where we go through a checklist of required schedules. And many, many times we omit schedules that need to be filed. And as we'll talk in a little while, the IRS grace period on the, in quotes, new Form 990, now that it's almost 10 years old, uh, it it has expired. And they're they're looking at making sure that we're uh, filing a complete and accurate return. And then Schedule L, which is your transactions with insiders, is something that we see people not understanding and not properly reporting. Again, many times under-reporting, not reporting when they should, but we also see people putting information on Schedule L that's not required. So I would say those are some of the uh, items that you really want to look at. Uh, You want to make sure that you're, you know, again, filing a timely, complete, and accurate return. And that requires really digging into the schedules, uh, excuse me, into the instructions. Uh, 
One fun story, the IRS a few years ago put out a list of the top 10 errors, and a lot of them were math errors, and a lot of them were what we've mentioned, leaving schedules out and some of those kinds of things. But a really fun one is at the top of page one, the top left corner of page one uh, of the Form 990, you have several things like initial return and name change and address change and that kind of thing. And for years, there was uh, a box that said final return. And people were checking this box when they weren't dissolving the corporation, when they weren't uh, uh, ending the, uh, the the nonprofit. And the IRS started looking at it. And if you do that, they take you out of the IRS master file. They uh, consider your organization to be dissolved. It was it was that that was the trigger to make that happen. And as numerous folks were. Um, erroneously checking that final box. The IRS went out and kind of talked to them and said, hey, what's going on here? And they said, well, it's the final return. We did several drafts and we went through. It's kind of like a who wants to be a millionaire show. Is that your final answer? Yes, this is my final return. And (laughs) there were a lot of unintended consequences. So in 2014, the IRS changed that box to final return slash terminated so people would understand it better. But I think that's kind of a funny story that underlines the fact that you need to spend time in the instructions on the Form 990. Well, I think that's really helpful, Dave. And it's interesting that you bring up timely and and completely filed. I was just at a conference uh, last week, and they were talking about the fact that a new process now, 990s are going to get rejected if the schedules are not there, you know, if they're missing or incomplete. And in the first 30 days that they did that, 29,990s were filed, and 7% of those were rejected because they had missing or incomplete Schedule A, Schedule B, Schedule O, just exactly what you're talking about. So not only is it an error and it could reflect poorly on us, but now that could get it kicked back, and we want to make sure that we've got that taken care of before we submit it the first time. Yep. And Vana, that's a great point. And if it does get kicked back, the IRS has said that they'll cons- if, if it, you know, if that makes the return late, you could uh, be, incur late filing penalties because of that. So it's even a, there's a dollar, a punitive dollar uh, amount that can be attached to that. Well, while we're thinking along those lines, that's maybe the the negative side as we look at common errors. Let's look at the positive side. Uh, is there anything on the 990 that organizations should be sure to include to maybe help tell their story. I think so many people look at the 990s and obviously they're out there, they're public, they're on GuideStar, and maybe that's one of the only impressions they get of an organization. Are there things that you encourage them to include in there to really support their organization? Yep. That's a great uh, question. It's a great opportunity. One of my pet peeves is uh, when I go and look at a, a Form 990 many times when we get a new client and the Form 990 on part three, uh, line 4A, beginning with uh, you know your opportunity uh, to describe your program service accomplishments and activities for the last year. And people put something like relief or a college or private college or something like that. This is your opportunity to really tell your story. And so when you're looking at that, really it's page two of the return where where you start with your uh, uh, board approved mission statement and you go down with a couple of kind of housekeeping questions and then you get an opportunity to, I believe, robustly, uh, if you're doing it right, 
um, describe what your activities and your program service accomplishments are. So make sure that your uh, organization is including things maybe from your website, from some of your com- communication with donors and potential donors should go there. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, but, but I think one thing that you want to do is make sure your whole return, your whole 990 has a tone to it that's a positive tone. I like to say, when in doubt, fill it out. If there's something that you check and you go, you know, I, it's not just a yes, no here. There's, there, it's kind of, there's an in-between. Well, you can go to Schedule O um, and, and include uh, descriptions or narratives that put you in the best light. Another thing that I like people to look at and be aware of is page one and page two. We were just talking about page two, part three of the return, but part one and part three on page one and two, try not to be confusing with my numbers, um, are really an executive summary of your organization's activities. Page one has some uh, interesting information about number of employees and volunteers and some of those kinds of things, and then goes into um, a, a prior year and current year comparison of your revenues, your expenses, and your net assets. And you want to make sure that that's easy to understand and easy to read. I like to be uh, as much as possible tie that to back to my financial statements. So if somebody's sitting down with my 990 and my financial statements, uh, not always possible, um, but, but can kind of get a good feel for that. Uh, another thing is, is on part six, the governance section, section B, there's several policies that are asked about with the whistleblower, the conflict of interest, the document uh, retention and destruction and then your executive compensation uh, policies and procedures. Those lines 12A through 15B should generally be checked yes. And if you don't have a yes check there, uh, I would look very closely at either adopting, having your board adopt those policies and or uh, use the IRS prescribed executive compensation approval procedures. And then you'll explain and, and uh, uh, describe those procedures back on Schedule O. But that's something that can be very helpful. But I, I, one of the things I, I, I really love is going back to that part three. And again, if you don't have room in the uh, eight or nine lines that they have on each of lines 4A through 4C, um, to, to, to put the information, it can be uh, continued back on Schedule O. The IRS, if you follow electronically, the IRS gets it all kind of in, in, a, in a bigger place, so a lot more can go in there. And this is an opportunity to just tell about what you do. You should put in statistics. You should put in, I, I like to look at, at um, uh, Part 3, Line 4, A, B, C, um, and then continued on Schedule O as what you would tell a donor. If you want a large grant, whatever a large grant is for you, what would you tell a donor? What would you like to hear, for people to hear about you? And I'm going to take just a minute. This is an excerpt um, from the middle. Um, uh, one of my favorite uh, Part 3, Line 4 descriptions of any charity, any ministry, um, goes through the um, sharing the gospel. And in part, it says, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus took our sins upon himself, suffering and dying on a Roman cross. He took our sins to the grave, and on the third day he arose again. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus became the way for us to be reconciled to God. 
He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. If you choose to remain in your sins, you will be separated from God forever. But if you place your faith and trust in what Jesus has done, you will be saved by God's grace. This is the good news. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, John 3, 18. If you want to receive God's free gift of salvation, you can pray a simple prayer like this one. And they go into a prayer, dear God, I'm a sinner, da-da-da-da-da. And then they say, I love this, amen, at the end of the prayer. And they say, if you have prayed this or would like some spiritual help, please call the following 800 number to speak with a counselor. <laughs> so they've just laid out the gospel right in their 990. How many people can say their testimony a includes a tax return? Amen. And so, you know, our, our goal here is to tell them what we do and what we're about. That was a little long-winded, but I wanted to get that in there. Um, anybody who would like a, a, a copy of that verbiage, if they'd like to include it in their 990, they can contact me. But anyway, that's, I think it's just a case of putting your best foot forward. Well, and that's a good reminder for us. I think sometimes we take things off of our to-do list and, you know, the 990 is certainly one of those that we're excited when it comes off, but to put a little more thought into that and really um, be intentional about telling our story. One of the things that I would follow up on with what you just said regarding policies and that section of governance where it calls out a number of policies and it's yes, no, uh, ECFA certainly has copies of uh, samples for most, uh, I believe, all of those policies. So if there's anyone listening that looks at that section of the 990 and would answer any of those no, I would encourage them to go to ecfa.org in the Knowledge Center and, and look at those policies and implement them. Uh, tell me a little bit about penalties. Uh, many people think about the 990 and say, you know, it's an information return. There's not a tax that's owed with it. But certainly there could be penalties assessed. What's your experience with that? What have you seen organizations face as far as penalties? Well, Vana, as you uh, mentioned earlier and as we mentioned earlier, the late filing or failure to file penalties are, um, and they just adjusted them for inflation in the last few years. But for small organizations, and that would be an organization with revenue of under a million for 2017, a million $28,500. Their penalties are $100 a day for late filing up to $51,000 for the year. For smaller organizations under that $1,028,500 threshold, their penalties would be $20 a day up to $10,000 for the year. That's for uh, late filing, failure to file, or an incomplete or inaccurate return. Um, again, historically, Organizations have had some success with getting these penalties abated if that was a first offense. But as you uh, alluded to earlier, the IRS has kind of said, uh, hey, you guys, the grace period's over. We're looking through this. We're rejecting returns and some of those kinds of things. And so it may be harder to get those penalties abated. It's a, it's a kind of a fun day when an organization that didn't think they should be filing an I-90 um, not a fun day when they get the notice, but they get a $50,000 penalty because they didn't file a return and it's more than a year later. Um, but if they're able to write a letter and show reasonable cause um, and get that penalty abated, that can be a great day. 
again, the reasonable cause is still there, but they were much more lenient with what they considered reasonable cause in the past than they will be today and or going forward. Um, we also ought to note, and we'll talk a little bit more about Schedule L uh, later as we go, the transactions with insiders. But Schedule L Part 1 requires an organization to report any excess benefit transactions with disqualified persons. And that would be unreasonably high compensation or the use of assets that weren't included in compensation, um, insiders, disqualified persons getting a benefit uh, kind of a private benefit from the organization. And that's a fairly technical area of the code, but I wanted to mention that there's penalties. Uh, the protocol is for the disqualified person to pay back the charity, and the first tier penalties are 25%. So you'd pay back the charity, make them whole with interest, and then pay a 25% penalty or excise tax on top of that. If you don't get it right and the IRS comes in and finds it, technically there can be a second tier 200% penalty assessed, total of 225% on top of paying back the charity uh, that the disqualified person would have to pay, not the charity. And then in that uh, section 4958 uh, rules, uh, the board members could also, foundation managers, so board and some executives, could actually be charged a uh, 10% penalty up to $20,000 um, for those excess benefit transactions for, in quotes, approving them. And so those are some of the things that we see, uh, you know, from the standpoint of, of penalties that are uh, in place for the 990. And I think we're going to see more enforcement as we go forward. When you start talking about penalties and, and certainly personal liability related to it, people's ears tend to perk up and they pay attention to that. So thank you for certainly. helping us understand that a little bit better. As we near the end of our time here for this podcast, I want to give you a couple of minutes to just talk. Are there significant changes that we need to be aware of? And if so, what are those? No, that's good. That's good. You know, Vonna, the 990, the IRS is understaffed, especially in the EO area. Um, the Affordable Care Act work took a lot of time away from people who were changing forms and doing some of those kinds of things. And now that we've got tax reform, the congressional uh, earmark changes are going to come into play uh, fairly quickly. So the IRS has actually said that it could take up to 10 years to change a form. Um, we've actually seen an example of that because early in the going, they acknowledged that Schedule M, the non-cash contribution schedule, should have a total uh, amount at the end, at the bottom of column C, and that was in 2008. We still haven't seen it yet. We're still pushing for it, but we still haven't seen it. Um, the big changes that we're looking forward to is how they handle um, the new ASU 2016-14 uh, net asset categories. Now we have two without donor restrictions and with donor restrictions. The form, Some folks are early adopting, but next year the requirements will kick in and the IRS has already said they don't expect to have that 2018 or 2019 form changed. So there's some different ways. The ASCPA has some ideas. Others have some ideas. We're waiting on the IRS to change the instructions and help us with going from unrestricted, temporarily restricted, and permanently restricted to this two, in quotes, buckets of net assets. I think the 
way to do that is going to be either to use two of the existing lines and then on Schedule O put uh, kind of what your footnote or what your financial statements say to further break that out. Um, the, the other pieces that we've got in there are, of course, with tax reform, there's various changes that need to come into play. Um, the big one being Form 990T. Uh, it just needs a total overhaul with some of the things we're seeing. Um, they've got this siloing deal where, uh, you know, th- they've said that uh, each unrelated business activity needs to stand alone with respect to profits and losses uh, going forward. They can't, you know, be blended together unfor- crazily because a for-profit organization can certainly have multiple activities and they all get netted together. But anyway, they've gone to this siloing approach and uh, so there's going to have to be some changes to the 990T from that standpoint. Uh, if you take a look at the 2014 Act report, the um, Advisory Committee for Tax Exempt and Governmental Entities, there's a huge section on uh, a recommendation to uh, fully overhaul Form 990T, and that includes uh, how we might handle. Uh, this provision because it was already out there in the camp draft in 2014. The big question that we're waiting on the IRS for in that world is, you know, are there five different activity categories? Are there 10? Are there 2,000? At a college, is a tennis camp different from a basketball camp, different from a soccer camp, or is it all youth camping? So those are kind of the things that that we're looking for uh, as we work through that. Dave, thank you so much for sharing both your expertise and your passion. I don't think the listeners can argue with me about the fact that you are passionate about tax. (laughs) Well, thank you, Vada. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, that is all the time we have for this podcast. I would encourage those listening to this podcast to take advantage of other resources that ECFA has to offer and to be sure that they're receiving the Nonprofit Pulse digital newsletter. Thanks to each of you. May God bless you and your ministry. We look forward to you joining us for our next podcast.